Welcome everyone to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan Masako. We're going to break from the uh, traditional uh, pattern that we've been following uh, week to week with these uh, episodes that we've been considering. Uh, We're actually not going to do an episode this week, but we're going to bring you something very special instead. Um, It is going to be an interview with actress Lisa Ryder. What? So yeah, uh, Lisa Ryder, uh, she's had a a number of roles in television and film, uh, whatnot, and you know, she's played a lot of things, detective, doctor, you know, but uh, for all of us listening here to this podcast, most importantly, she was Becca Valentine, first officer of the Andromeda Ascendant. And captain of the Eureka Maru. Ugliest ship in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to uh, insult her ship. <laughs> I guess in hindsight, maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> no, but seriously, we uh, we got a chance to sit down with her and uh, do a, a, an interview over the phone. She was gracious enough to uh, talk to us from her, her place up in Toronto. And uh, we, uh, we, we had a nice little interview with her. Yeah, we did. You know what? Let's just let everyone else hear it. Let's do it. All right. All right, so we are joined now by Lisa Ryder, and thank you so much for for joining us today and taking a little time to to talk with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, We're real excited to have you. Um, We have a a lot of questions that we'd like to ask you, a lot of things that we'd like to hear you talk about. Um, Okay. So I guess uh, the first thing, if you want to tell us just uh, a little bit of background and tell us about your, your acting career. And how you got into acting, and what what really got you interested in that? Hmm. Wow, that goes back a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess I think I was um, interested in performing when I was um, a kid. I was a dancer, and um, I just always did do uh, dance performances and drama and stuff in school. I really was drawn to it, and. Um, uh, when I, I took a few years off of uh, after high school to travel and to work, and um, when I wanted some stability in my life, I went back to university and I entered the drama program, and that's when I got you know serious about um, theater, and met some people, formed a theater company, and 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 basically from then on, I was really interested in acting. Cool. Uh, I, I would like to ask this though. So so you get into acting. Um, are you a sci-fi fan though? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what you'd call me. I don't know that I qualify <laughs> as a sci-fi fan. A lot of the reading I do is kind of genre fantasy sci-fi. Um, I, I'm not as hardcore as some might be. Like I was raised on, um, Star Trek. Um, Blade Runner is my very favorite movie. Um, so yes, I've always been a fan, but I I, I don't I'm maybe not as knowledgeable as you know. No, fans you're you're, out there. you're you're a sci-fi fan. <laughs> you're a sci-fi <laughs> fan. No, I I ask because I, I mean, looking like through your IMDb list and whatnot, I mean, you've done a lot of things. You've been detective, doctor. I mean, it's it's you know, there's a lot of things in your your list there. Right. Uh, but the two things, of course, that you know our listeners will clue in, of course, is the fact that you're Becca Valentine, and then. Right. And then also the other thing uh, being the uh, the kick butt android, you know, in space. Yeah. That's that's the other big thing too. <laughs> and those shows were back to back. Like we went right from Jason X to Andromeda. Yeah. Um I think as an actress in my 20s, I was never very um like I was tall, 
and I was muscular, active, and a lot of the roles that you get, you know, in your 20s, I, I think sci-fi offers um, much more opportunity for action kind of parts, action, um, strong female characters than other ones, and so I think I was kind of cast in that vein, you know? Yeah. Not so much the shrinking violet or not so much mm. um, the wife and, the, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just tended to get cast in sci-fi things a bit. Well, that leads uh, right to our next question um, as far as now Becca Valentine. Um, what led to you being cast in that role and uh, to being part of Andromeda? Really just an audition. I mean, I <clears throat> I went out to Vancouver just to check it out. Um, I was tired of Toronto at that point, <laughs> and um, I got an agent. She submitted me for uh, Andromeda. Um, by the time I got back to Toronto, um, I was having a callback for for the show, and then before you knew it, I was being brought to L.A. for a, a camera test. Uh, there was lots of Becca Valentines on that trip, actually. There was about, I don't know, I think six, six or seven of us on the plane down to go to L.A., we all camera tested, and um, you know, and but from then it's just a process of producers picking who they want or uh, what chemistry works, and that's how you're cast. Basically, it's a bit subjective and a bit random. <laughs> just, just as kind of a side question, who else was out for for your part? Anybody that any names that we might recognize? Oh God, I'm so terrible at names. Well, if, you know, Lexa Lexa read for that part. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think she was actually, well, she was up for Rami, but she was also kind of interested in the Becca part, and, uh, you know, I think she maybe read for both. Um, and I, who's the actress, who the, the lead on Size Factor? Mm. Nancy, uh, shoot, I'm very bad at names. I can't remember exactly, but she was up for it. Um, there was... I, I, I don't remember their names anymore. It was so long ago. I, I, I used to remember their names, and now I don't. But no, not not really well-known, okay, probably. That's, that's fine. I just thought <laughs> I'd pop that question in there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, so you, you read, and eventually you did get the part. So what guidelines did the uh, the producers or the creator of the show, Robert Hugh Wolf, or anybody else for that matter, what, what kind of guideposts did they give you for, for developing that character? I'm always shocked. Um, at how few there are, you know, every time I'm cast, I'm always like, you know, eager for all the information that they can give you coming from theater. We like attack the text. We try to pick it apart for all the clues, right. That will mm-hmm. tell you like, who, who is this person and the backstory and all that stuff. And, um, in TV really, they, they cast you pretty much as you are, you know, what they want to see is what you did in the audition. Um, Robert Hewitt Wolf had, uh, a Bible. So that was helpful. He had some backstory for all the characters and a kind of projection of where we were going. Um, but they, not much, you know, like at that point, costume has a lot to say about it. Like the designer will um, try to, you know, collaborate and, and, and um, kind of, you know, it's that's the visual of who that person's going to be. But um, Robert Hewitt, basically, he was my go-to guy, you know, if I had questions. But I think he basically cast who he cast, and uh, or all the producers cast who they cast, and they trusted us, you know, just go by the script and bring who bring what we would bring to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, always kind of shocked. I always feel like, whoa, whoa, are you going to trust me with this? <laughs> like this is a, you know, what they do. 
Yeah, because my observation when we first started the podcast, when we first get introduced to your character, uh, my observation was it's it's Han Solo, <laughs> you know, but that's just yeah. kind of a, the, the first thing. Now, as as we have gotten further into and now actually we're, we're toward the end of reviewing season one, mm-hmm. there's a lot of changes that you have gone through as a character on on the show there. Um, yeah. How much of that was was written and how much it was you just developing in that role during that first season? I think it's a real collaborative process, you know, like you bring to, like you, you get the script, you, you try to do your best with the script, you get all the clues from the script, and then you bring to it um, what you bring to it. And then someone um, as collaborative as Robert sees what you're doing and then kind of goes, oh, that's neat. Let's develop that. Like my, um, my and tears kind of uh, magnetism there, that was really just something that they clued into what was happening on set. It seemed to kind of be happening. It, originally, Becca was a bit of a, I think they had in mind a love interest for Dylan. Mm-hmm. And one of the producers came up to me one day and went, wow, you guys have just no chemistry. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, we could act We could act chemistry. Uh, but they're like, no, no, you really don't have it. <laughs> so, yeah. And so that kind of fizzled out you know there's ideas where you want to go with a a series and then I think the reality is like oh wow that doesn't play and actually what Becca and Tyr have together is kind of intriguing and it's weird like um that might work and so that they started to kind of write it yeah that was interesting Um, that you said that because you know I'd always wondered um in watching Andromeda you when you have two people um that are that work so closely together as as Dylan and Becca did I always thought it was strange that there was never even a hint of any sort of romantic relationship possibly coming up between them Yeah and that's that's really interesting to get that insight behind the scenes and cuz cuz I had always wondered why why they never even uh flirted with the idea you know, I did too. I, I actually, I, I was very much open to it. I, in fact, I thought that's where they would be going with it. I, I'm wondering if maybe I interpreted Becca's fierce independence and um, prob- authority problem as, um, as not sexy, not flirtatious. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah. I, I definitely took that. Uh, direction and went with it like I have a real problem with authority I really can't stand being bossed around by a man I really am independent I'm a captain in my own right Mm -hmm. and I think how that read was she's cold and not accessible (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um and so that's just how they I mean if if there were more um hints in the script to be flirtatious with Dylan I I would have run with that but as far as I could see it seemed like they were taking the Dylan and Rami um, relationship and making it sexual or not mm-hmm. sexual. They're hinting at that, right? Mm-hmm. Like at a kind of a, yeah, it was a complex relationship, like either little sister or true love or, you know, the loyalty thing was there and it was much more, um, romantic, even if it wasn't going to a sexual place. Yeah. And yeah. So it was I mean, hinted at yeah, me. And so I was like, Oh, well that's, it. that's not what they want from me, but you know, Yes, and I, I'm not a soft person. Like, I will say it's hard for um, certain men <laughs> not to be – I won't say that Kevin was intimidated by me. Not at all. Not at all. We totally got along. He's not intimidated by anybody. But 
I don't think he finds that appealing. I, I think the feminine, the very feminine, is much more appealing to him. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, did you did you like Becca Valentine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved her. Yeah. Um, I, like I say, I find sci-fi to be um, a place where you can have strong women and, um, and, and really not a lot of other places. I think it's getting better, certainly, you know, in TV. But um, sci-fi is a place where you can um, have a more unconventional character or an unconventional femininity, or, um, and it's accepted. Uh, and I love her. I loved her kind of... Um, I loved your spirit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna divulge a little bit here. When we first started the show, I actually didn't like the character. <laughs> but okay, this well, I'm, I'm just saying that this is my first time going through here and watching the show and then talking about it on the podcast. So it's all new to me. Yeah, but I've found as we've gotten through this uh, season one, as I, I don't know how better best to describe it, except that it seems like you as the actress. And working with the character, it seems like you you have found your legs. You you found your your stride uh, with the character here in this first season. And now I'm starting to really appreciate Becca as a character and the things that she's going through. Well, and I think what you're describing is also what um, Dylan Hunt feels. You know, uh, there's a real wall up with Becca, and it's very hard to access her. But I feel like as as I got a couple of episodes of my own, you know, my own relationships with my brother, with my uncle, that um, a certain side, like a certain vulnerability which I was able to access or show through, like kind of leak it out sideways. (laughs) (laughs) But my interpretation was that there, yeah, she was really kind of hard and hard to, and there's a wall up. Yeah. Um, But yeah, of course, you have to kind of take the risk that certain people won't immediately warm up to you if you're not warm, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it was smart of Robert to have all these secrets in her past, you know, where, um, yeah, there's vulnerability in there and there's a need to be loved and there's a need to prove herself. And there's a little kid in there who's mm-hmm. uh, really had to kind of had some hard knocks. Can, can I ask you a quick question? You, you mentioned mm-hmm. working with your, your uncle. Uh, I, I just have to ask, what was it like working with John DeLancey? <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. It's fabulous. Like, I, I was kind of a fan, you know? When, right, right. <laughs> when he stepped on set, I'm like, oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, he's, um, he's great. He's, he's exactly kind of what you'd think. He's exactly that character. Yeah. And I mean, Q. You know, like, he is kind <laughs> of that. He's verbose and he's got a big ego. He's hilarious. <laughs> he's, he's large. Like, he's very large. <laughs> yeah. He's theatrical, and um, yeah, it's, it's kind of an honor. Cool. Well, yeah. I, for one, have always loved Becca Valentine, under, unlike my counterpart here. Yay! But, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I said it. I'm coming around. I'm I know, around. I know. No, but, you know, Becca Valentine, she's one of those type of characters where um, you, you don't mess with her. She's tough. Um, but at the same time, even in the middle of fighting, she always has a one-liner. Right, and right. that's that's very entertaining um, to see someone who, well, she does take herself seriously, um, but she also she she knows how to good how to she knows how to have a good time. Right. Yeah, I I like that they put that in. Like she likes um, she likes to party. Mm-hmm. 
and she likes the the boys and she likes and she's um she makes no apologies for it and yeah i like the sense of humor that robert worked in there um i think also what might be off-putting i will just put in my two cents the first couple of episodes is like no one likes a tough pretty girl right i think at the beginning they made her so like the pretty blonde hair and the little Judy Jetson suit. <laughs> um, that to me, I was like, oh my God, I just, I couldn't, I thought my idea of her was just much more tough and not put together, you know, like, yeah. Um, anywho, yeah, the Judy Jetson suit, I gotta say, that wasn't my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it better when they broke her down a little bit. Yeah, there again, I made the observation, it was probably about, oh, seven or eight episodes in to our discussion. Yeah. It seemed like the, the the wardrobe department and the, the hair and makeup finally figured you out. The pearls Good that were Lord. his eyes. That was, a, that was an epic was journey, it? Hair, and, <laughs> hair and wardrobe. Yeah, I think it, it took a while before the producers actually could agree or um, could figure out what the what because there were certain producers that wanted a certain thing, and then there's other producers that want something else. And like any show, you have. I mean, I'm not sure why it wasn't kind of done prior. <laughs> Maybe it's because actually Lex and I were filming on Jason X, and we didn't have you know. I was there was actually some overlap, and there was some flights you know from Toronto to Vancouver, Vancouver to Toronto, and. We didn't have a lot of time for camera tests and stuff, but that stuff was figured out on the fly. And I know there was a lot of discussion about my hair. <laughs> like my hair was a it was a, it was a main main sticking point for all of the producers. Yeah. It seemed like it and should no have been. Really agree. It seemed like it should have been easy to get the hair right for Becca, since you know she could do whatever she wanted with it. Yeah, <laughs> make it whatever color she wants. I felt like it. Yeah, like wouldn't it be great if it was a different color every mm-hmm. episode? I guess that's a, a really expensive thing to do, though. <laughs> well, they they changed Rami's hair color a whole lot more than uh, than they did Becca's. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, what was it like on the set of uh, of Andromeda? Well, you know. You're asking over five years, it changes a lot. <laughs> but um, I would say the general feel was um, it was a pretty happy set. You know, uh, Kevin is quite a uh, happy dude and likes to joke around, knows everybody's name, knows the crew, really knows what he's doing. Um, so that's nice. It's nice to have a number one who's confident, knows what they're doing, um, and is kind to people. Um and it trickled down. I mean, uh, Gord is hilarious. Uh, Lexa is awesome. Laura is one of my favorite people. You know, uh, it was a pretty happy set. It was a pretty happy set. Um, Keith is totally intriguing. And, oh, my God, like, Brent State is uh, kind of everybody's favorite, it seemed like. <laughs> he was, like, mm. super cool dude. Like, everyone was very cool. Everybody respected everybody. It was um, always fast. We shot very fast because um, it was not an expensive show to produce, hmm. or we didn't have a ton of money. Yeah. Um, so there was always pressure, um, but I would say generally happy, generally generally quite fun. Cool. You know, uh, there's your boring times, and then there's your friction, but uh, generally it was great great place to work. You, you mentioned Brent State. Um, our observation in the show has been that he's been kind of the the conscience for the crew. Uh, virtually anybody could come to him. Is is that kind of him as an as a as a person behind the scenes too? Did everybody just kind of warm to him? Was that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we were all method <laughs> <laughs> and just 
went to the Rev, right? Uh, he's also in that furry suit, yeah. so very safe. And like all the girls, we were like shameless with him, we're cuddling up on him and stuff. And you, you forget, there's a man really? actually in that furry suit. <laughs> really? That suit, huh? Okay. Cuddling yeah, up with yeah well, dog. he's, um, yeah, like <laughs> it does not seem like a, a guy, yeah. right? He seemed like Rev. He just seemed like Rev on set. Um, he was... Uh, I think he was also more of a peer to Kevin, like he was uh, more of the same age range, and um, he just, I, I don't know, like he's very easy, he's an easy guy, hmm. and yeah, we he was very much kind of rev, like we, we all kind of love him, and the amount of that he went through in that suit, you know, like it was very hot mm-hmm. to shoot in there, uh, he couldn't eat properly with the teeth on, he went through a lot, and never a complaint, Um He's a real pro. Cool. And I think uh, I think he was uh, the conscience. And I think, uh, in my opinion, we lost a lot when we lost him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, you know, I was, uh, you know, in anticipation of talking to you guys, I was like, oh my god, I, I, I forgot <laughs> about <laughs> season one. So I I watched some of the some of the episodes with my kids, who are nine and seven now, and. What they love about season one and what uh, what I see through their eyes, like through new eyes, is that uh, Purple Trance, Rev Bem, um, were kind of the good. Like, they were kind of the heart and soul of that crew. The warm you fuzzies. Know? Yeah. Sorry? They gave you the warm fuzzies. Yeah, yeah. Like, even though there was some violence, even though there was a lot of hopelessness, you know, the Commonwealth is lost, all this stuff, um, they really represent goodness and, and the hope, the actual hope for humanity, like for how uh, for survival and for goodness in the universe. Yeah. And um, I, it's so funny just going back and seeing that. I was like, wow, I really... Really, those were my two favorites. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we were talking about whether or not to ask you this question. I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Go for it. Um, so d- since you've gone back and watched a, 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 a few episodes, do you have a favorite? Um, well, it depends, like to watch or to film. You know, like my favorite episodes to film were obviously the Flash episodes because mm-hmm. I got to do so much. Yeah. Um, was so fun, uh, you know, and putting on those white contacts and kind of being <laughs> extremely irreverent and crazy and camera just has to follow me because I couldn't see my mark, you know. Um, and to step outside of Becca's um, kind of repressed facade for a bit. Yeah. Those are my favorite to film. Um, to watch, I don't know, to watch with my kids, I liked the consensus of parts one just because hmm. so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, for visuals, I like Mathematics of Tears because um, T.J. Scott was, I, I felt he took the show to another level in, uh, visually. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, lo- I love that Android one because it's so creepy and it's also so Star Trek. <laughs> like, it was so uh, old school, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, when we're running away from the androids, I thought, this is classic. This is just <laughs> Awesome. Like, I love that kind of, I won't say cheesy, what do you call it? Just classic. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of love that. Um, Yeah. There were a lot, there were a lot of, uh, for different, for different reasons, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
We uh, earlier in the year we talked to Robert Hewitt Wolf, and he discussed with us a little bit about um, about what happened in his departure. Uh, we were wondering, you know, from someone who um, who was there and and saw everything go on, uh, what was your feeling on on how that affected the show and um, just just where things went from from there and his departure and how that all happened? Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, no one can fire me now. Um, I, I can speak freely. Um, you know, it was kind of everything. Like Robert Hewitt Wolf uh, created that show and had a vision for that show. And uh, um, when we lost him, we lost, I feel, a continuity of that show. And I think mm-hmm. that, that was actually deliberate on the, produ- on the part of the other producers. I think what they wanted was something different, different from what we had started with. So that time was a bit of a confusing time. You know, you're trying to, you're struggling to figure out where this is going. What are the reasons for the changes? Uh, like, is this all political, or is this uh, creative, or like, what are what are the reasons? Um, what is the motivation for all the changes? Um, in in my opinion, yeah, we did lose the kind of heart of the show, like Rev Bam and, and Purple Trance um, were from that classic sci-fi um, Dean Roddenberry vision, right? Mm-hmm. The belief in the goodness of humanity and belief, like hope, for um, a future that will that will it will all work out in the end. Um, so I think, you know, what the other producers maybe were fighting for was something more sexy, more fun, more, um, more. I, 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 to this day, really can't figure it out. Like, what was the vision going forth? You know, I yeah. think we pulled off some cool episodes later on, but there was no cohesive vision. I feel like from the time that Robert left, it was a little bit of a episode to episode kind of thing like just kind of always playing catch-up you know mm-hmm. yeah. how does this relate to that how does this relate to the commonwealth are we still working about the commonwealth like is that <laughs> a thing anymore <laughs> yeah, and I, I, it, I, you know robert was always a a guy who was accessible uh, very easy to talk to very open to concerns um and going forth um you know, it was still, it was still people were approachable, but there wasn't that guy that you go to and go, what's the vision here? Like, what's the, what am I referencing? What am I, there wasn't that anymore. There wasn't a kind of continuity anymore, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, from, as a guy from kind of the outside, looking back, uh, looking into it, uh, you're not the only one left scratch, scratching your head, but it's still, like you said, there was still a lot of strong episodes that came after his departure too. Yeah. Sure. And there were and there were writers, you know, that were still from Robert's time, um, that were trying to pull it together and stuff. But I think there were so many you know, it wasn't um it, it wasn't like there was a single vision anymore. There was maybe uh, quite a few cooks mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> trying to cook up the vision. You yeah. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned yeah. uh continuity being a problem and, and that's one of the things that um, I'm having a hard time grappling with is because I see all of these episodes. I know how the show ends. I've I've seen all 
122 episodes. Is that how many there are? 110. 110. I've I've seen all 110 episodes, so I know how it all goes down. Um, but you know, when we're watching these these episodes in the first season, uh, the ones that Robert Hewitt Wolf had his his thumbprint on, and I know how this show was supposed to have ended. And so I see these shows that are supposed to have been um, such important episodes and what happens to them. And then it's almost a shame because some of them, it's like they almost become throwaway episodes because what happened in them becomes meaningless, even though it was supposed to have been so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't want to tell you. Yeah. I mean, I still don't know to this day what motivated. I think a lot of it was maybe more political, you know, um, what and what could work uh, financially, you know, CIFRA, what was that? That was our parking lot. <laughs> um, we, we didn't have the budget to go on location anymore. And so now we have CIFRA. Um, we, you know, um, we really need a love interest for Kevin. So we hire uh, Brandy Ledford. Uh, what? Why do we need two Rami avatars? I no, I don't know. I still, I kind of at that point was not as invested. Let's say, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which sounds terrible. I mean, I I am a professional. I went to work and stuff, but I really, I I did not understand that vision. Um, and so at that point, it's just a matter of uh, trying to make sense of it for yourself trying to, you know, yeah. pull off a continuity of character, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, pulling back from the the political side of it, yeah. I guess. Sorry yeah. about my little rant. I've got an hour a week that I can do that on my own. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, this is your time. So sorry uh, about that. L- l- let me, let me ask this. So besides Becca, uh, did you have another character that was a favorite of yours or that you liked working with in front of the camera with? Um, I, I know the political or the dip- diplomatic answer is everybody was, a, you know, good. everybody. But, but um, let's see. I see. I feel like I had most to do with trance. Yeah. Um, you know, for some reason, for some reason, Harper and I like. Uh, my understanding of the Harper and Becca was like they were really super, super tight, super close friends. And off the top, it started to be. But then it's like he he was so much the engineer, so much never part of my storyline, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't work with him so much. Uh, Rami, same thing. She seemed to be more in the Dylan arcs and stuff. Yeah, I feel like I worked with Trance the most, maybe. And she is a... Uh, fascinating actor like she um i really did enjoy and actually learned even though she's much younger than me i i learned a lot from her she's a pure presence on set you know it's not like you can see any preparation you don't see any uh seams right she's just uh so present and for her to pull off the transition between purple trance and gold trance um was quite a feat i thought it's like a complete 180 mm. for uh for the actress yeah um, and her level of professionalism was, um, unbelievable for such a, she started that show when she was 21. Wow. Was she she had, that young? At that hmm. point, actually more experienced than most of us. <laughs> I didn't realize she was that young. Huh. Yeah. Cool. She's a baby when we started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, I, I have another 
question, and and I'm kind of getting away from Andromeda in this. Obviously, you you've made over the years uh, during the filming of Andromeda, and then afterward, you've you've done a few of the Comic Cons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! I haven't done Comic Con. Well, I've that... done some conventions, but like, uh, I don't think I've done Comic Con. Have you not? Okay. Well, it, you, you've no, done some cons. We'll, we'll we'll put right. it broad that way. In, in yeah. doing some of the cons, in doing research on on you, what I can find online, uh, I keep encountering this detail about you being arrested by a squad of Klingons. I know, I know. And there is no context on the internet on this. So, <laughs> can, can you give us some context to, into the story? I can't. I don't even know what like what happened there. There was a there was a jail. At this convention, I think that was San. No, that was what American city was that? Milwaukee. Uh, are we talking? Are we talking like I a think... drunk tank? Like a yeah? There was like a, like a like yeah like a, I don't know if it, we didn't have to be drunk. All I right. Mean, <laughs> anyone could have anyone arrested. <laughs> um, and you'd be arrested. You'd be brought to this jail by a gang of Klingons, and you'd have to either sing to get out. It was just a, ga- a gag, right? Like yeah. it was kind of a embarrass the guests kind of gag. Right, or you right. could, or you could uh, arrest your friends, or and I think there was a fundraising element to it, possibly. Yeah, uh, it's so. all very vague, but yes, Klingons. I was sign innocently signing uh, <laughs> pictures at a table when a bunch of Klingons came to arrest me and stuck <laughs> me in the tank, and then I had to. I, and my at that point, I had a little fan club. And they thought that was hilarious. <laughs> okay. All right. So that puts some perspective on it then. This 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 makes a little more sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean the Klingon thing is like yeah, the Klingons. The Klingons are like a just such a presence, right? <laughs> right, yeah. 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 So I guess uh, that's that was their gig. That was what they were doing that day. <laughs> okay, I appreciate you clearing that up for me because now that makes that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, yeah, it was just a gag. It was a gag that was there for the convention. Yeah. So uh, you've done a lot of other things besides Andromeda uh, before and after. What are what are some of the, some of the work that you've done that you're that you're really especially proud of? Oh gosh, uh, I don't know. I just last. Season, last year did um, an arc on a show called Remedy. Um, I don't know how proud I was. I was I was kind of proud of it because it was um, it was a great show to work on. I got to work with Enrico Colantoni, who, um, as a sci-fi fan, you might know from uh, Galaxy Quest. Um, mm-hmm. That's when I first encountered him, and I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> and I've been a big fan of him ever since, and Flashpoint and stuff. So I got to work with him. Um, proud of it because um, it's a great uh, show, great writing, Canadian show. Um, and uh, right now I'm involved in a tour of a, a, a really crazy project called Helen Lawrence. Um, it's um, a staged production, but there are five cameras on stage and we are being filmed on blue screen. So... Basically, when you walk in, the the effect is watching a kind of drive-in. Like, you can see a screen, and there is a black-and-white film being shown, 1948 um, era. But if you look through the screen, you can see the actual actors on stage on the blue screen. There's no actual sets. It's all completely virtual. Um, And proud of that because uh, I guess I'm the lead in it. And also because (laughs) it's quite amazing to uh, be part of this technology. And um, 
and to have kind of figured out that the working with cameras and stage at the same time. Um, so yeah, then that's still going on. That'll be um, the next date we have is in October at BAM, which is um, the Brooklyn Academy of Music in uh, Brooklyn, and it goes to Belgium after that. So do you uh, think you feel more comfortable on stage or in front of a camera? Um, stage, yeah. yeah. I think uh, most actors will tell you that mm-hmm. um, stage is really uh, rewarding in a way that TV is not for some reason, uh, just because of the interaction. You have immediate interaction with the audience. And it's um, so gratifying to go mm-hmm. from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. Um uh, every night instead of, you know, just not in, con- in continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, stage is, is more comfortable. Um, TV is uh, more challenging, which I I, I, I need both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to have TV as well. Okay. And uh, following your Twitter, you've been, you've been uh, doing some stage acting here um, recently, have you not? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, what What's the production that you've been working on? Well, that's the one I was telling you about, Helen Lawrence. Oh, okay. It's kind of been happening for a year um, in various cities. Like, we were in Germany and um, Scotland, and we rehearsed in Banff, Vancouver. We did a run in Toronto, and now it's off to Brooklyn and Antwerp. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I did hear all that. I just missed the part about that being the current... <laughs> right. Yeah, it's kind of okay. current in that it started a okay. year ago, and it just keeps happening. It just keeps going okay. and going. All right, Ethan, just cut all that out so I don't sound like an idiot. Sure, okay. <laughs> sure, right. we got you covered. We got you covered. <laughs> uh, well, you got anything else? Um, no, no. I think we're good. Okay. So yeah, well, I think we we wrap. covered uh, the bulk of the uh, the questions that we had. Um, yeah. And there weren't even many really hard questions about, you know. Well, well, do, yeah. you, do you have some ideas for some hard questions? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm terrible at the, the, the details, like the minutia of yeah. what happened in this episode, that episode. I'm terrible at that. Well, honestly, you're, you're talking to a couple of guys from the Midwest. I mean, we're about, what, two and a half hours south of Kansas City mm-hmm. in a little place called uh-huh. Joplin. So our exposure to be able to talk to persons like yourself is extreme limit <laughs> extremely limited <laughs> so we're going to be as nice as possible that's that's what you're getting from us yeah. so. well that's so nice that's so nice because i'm from canada and we're nice as well there you <laughs> go. Yeah. um there was actually one thing that i did i don't know if there was um anything um any stories or anything that maybe you don't get to tell a lot or just something that you really like i was just kind of giving giving an opportunity to just open it up um if you had anything if not fine um but just any stories or anything that you just like to tell? Oh, God. That's so super, super hard. Um, because, it, like I say, it's a five-year experience. And I know I, I get this question all the time. It's like, everything that real, it was really funny that happened on set? <laughs> I'm like, wow. Like, day, yeah. <laughs> it's such a, a long uh, um, period of time to cover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of laughs. There were a lot of, but I can't think, I can't think off the top of my head of something just hilarious that happened. Mm-hmm. Kind of one of those things where you have to be in the moment, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. No, that's fine. Sorry. No, that's fine. No, that's great. (laughs) Okay, well, uh, Lisa, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Well, thanks very much for calling. Yeah. 
We we appreciate you uh, being on there and uh, giving us a little bit of insight into the the show that we've been discussing. Well, it's nice to know that some uh, people are still watching it. Absolutely, cool. yeah, and, yeah. Be, and new to it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's picking up steam yeah. too. People are talking about it on Twitter. So, yep, yeah. Oh, cool. All right, so that was our interview with actress Lisa Ryder. And uh, once again, uh, very glad that uh, she was able to take the time to uh, to call in and, and be able to discuss the show. We got some insights, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, what she had to say about her, from her viewpoint of um, the Robert Hewitt, well, we, we kind of went back and forth as to whether or not we would even ask her about that. Yeah. Um, feel like I put her on the spot just a little bit. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that we did. Um, you know, it was really, it was real interesting hearing, uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf's, uh, version of that story. And then, uh, to talk to someone else who, who was there long after all of that happened and just to see her, her thoughts and feelings on, to hear her thoughts and feelings on, on that. Um, I don't know if you can, if she speaks for the entire cast, but you know, it's possible that that's how, that that's how things uh, went, went down for all of them on that show. Yeah. And, and additionally, she talked a lot about the, their intera- the interaction with the, the cast mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And you know what, as you watch the show, at least for this first season, as we've gone through it so far, you do get that sense that there was that com- camaraderie mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And uh, that that certainly showed through. And she was very nice, very gracious to, to take the time to speak with us. Yeah, and uh, certainly enjoyed uh, that conversation. Um, you can follow Lisa Ryder on the Twitter. Uh, she's at Lisa J Ryder R Y D E R. Uh, so uh, give her a follow. Uh, keep up with uh, with her career and the things that she's uh, continuing uh, to engage in. And as for us, you can follow us on the Twitter. Isn't that right, Ryan? Yeah, we're at Andromeda Pod on Twitter and on Facebook. And also you can reach us by email. Yep, you can do so by emailing us at drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on iTunes, uh, and we'd certainly appreciate if you do listen to the show, subscribe on uh, iTunes and uh, leave us a review. Um, I just want to say, if that is how you get the show and how you listen to it, it helps us a lot. And if you if you enjoy this show, uh, and in lieu of asking for a contribution or anything like that, all we ask is to leave us a review because that helps us out in getting exposure uh, on iTunes. So that's why we continue to ask to, to you know leave a comment, leave a review on iTunes if you listen to us there. Yeah, and we do have uh, um, some of our followers who... Um regularly mention us and retweet us on Twitter. And so we appreciate that. And and if you are listening and you're not following us on Twitter, um, go ahead and jump on there and uh, keep up to date with, uh, with, you'll get fresh information when we release shows. um, When for some reason we don't release a show. Um, And uh, you know, a lot of people that follow us on Twitter already know that there was an interview with Lisa Ryder coming. Well, uh, I think that just about does it for uh, this special episode, this interview with uh, Lisa Ryder. Yep, I believe that does it. So we'll see you next week for The Honey Offering. <laughs>